Good morning. Good to see you this morning. I want to welcome all of those that are online this morning and uh, this opportunity to share with you. You're getting the older models today. Uh, I tell people I kind of feel like a 2022 Ford uh, 4x4 with V8 engine, uh, but I'm in a Model A body. And uh, <laughs> so uh, I got it a privilege though to come and share with you today. Um, many of our folks are away for the wonderful celebration of AJ. Uh, William's getting married this weekend, and uh, he's grown up and developed in, in ministry today, and we're so proud of him and thankful for God's grace. Um, and I do want to say it to all of you online, though, thank you for checking in and, and staying uh, with us. If you're not able to attend because of medical reasons, we really understand that, and um, we want you to be safe. Uh, but on the other hand, don't get used to church in pajamas. Uh, come out if you can. We love to be together. There's something about being together. We're better together. And the Bible tells us that. So uh, may God bless you. And I want to thank you too for your faithfulness and giving uh, to for the provision of the church and everything you do. Uh, we just thank you and honor you. And as I share with you today, I want to talk to you about being under the influence I'm not going to ask uh, if how many of you know what that's all about from the world's perspective, but I, I want us to get a clear view of what it has to say in the Word. And so I pray that will be real to your heart today as I share with you. Now, I'm sitting on this stool, and, and I'll probably get up a few times, but uh, I had some back surgery. They went in about four different times, and uh, they're trying to get that straight, but it hasn't happened yet, so... Uh, I always think of the scripture, it says Jesus sat and talked to them and, and taught them. So uh, I'll have to work with that a bit, but uh, I do count it an honor to your church family to be with you. I pray the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart today, that it becomes very real to you what he wants to do in this day and hour. And that you would be under the influence of the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. Some people say, I really hope the preacher's anointed today. Uh, I, I hope so too. But <laughs> I want to tell you, I hope you have an anointed ear to hear what the Holy Spirit speaks to you. And the courage to obey whatever God might say to you. Because that's the real deal. We're not just taking a little break today to have a church service and feel good about uh, coming in and getting a, a, a spiritual input, but we want to be able to go out and tell the world about the love of Jesus Christ. That makes all the difference, and our world so needs to know his love. So I pray that will be real to you today. Uh, as we come and share today, though, I'm going to be sharing scripture that deals about uh, Peter in the book of Matthew in chapter 16, and also going back to the Old Testament for a bit about Elijah. Uh, I love that song, These Are the Days of Elijah, and talking about revival. But I, I want us to get a clear concept about what's happening around the world, what's happening in America, and what's going on that uh, there, there is so much deception from every direction as far as the Church of Jesus Christ is concerned, and then in the world too. So I pray that the Lord can make that real to you and help you. Um, I don't know if you realize uh, there is nobody in the world like you. Uh, matter of fact, I told you before, when God made you, he looked at you and said, I'll never do that again. Uh, you're, you're that unique. Yeah, I mean, you got a special thumbprint, voice print, all of that. And as much as it says in the Bible that my sheep hear my voice, also, please know he hears your voice. And he knows who you are. And he loves to hear from you. 
that's what prayer is about too. It's not just uh, praying as a ritual, but a reality of a relationship that's rich and real with our Lord and Savior. But as I share with you here in uh, Matthew 16, I pray that we can get a clear concept of what the church is to be in the world today, but also understanding uh, some of the pressure and problems that are going to be there. Uh, I'm, I'm so thankful for the blessing of the Lord. But also I want us to know that with that blessing goes great responsibility, accountability, and sometimes some great suffering. And so we want to be able to look at that and understand that. Now, if any point you feel like saying amen, just go right ahead. Uh, all right. But please know this. You're going to be responsible for me going overtime then. <laughs> Who was it said amen? <laughs> uh, but really, uh, I want to pour out my heart in, in a way that I pray you can catch what the Holy Spirit has to say to you. That it really will spark something in your heart that will make a difference when you leave here today. And, and if you realize I said about you being so special and unique, you know the one thing the devil wants to do is destroy the image that God made you in. Because I don't know if you think about this or not, but of all of God's creation, everything he created, including angels, including uh, Satan was once an angel, but he's a created being. There is no contest between God and Satan. That, that wouldn't even be a contest. The contest for Satan is, is dealing with this earth and the fact that we battle and we wrestle not against flesh, but principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places. That's the battle we have ongoingly. And God in his grace helps us with that battle because we're the ones that created the problem. And we want to be able to know that he is the solution to that. Uh, but realizing that God made you in, in his image, you know, uh, there, there is no angel that will ever know what it is to experience salvation. They, they, they are there with the Lord except for the fallen angels because the war that we're in spiritually started not on earth. It started in heaven. And there was a deception that caused one third of the angels to be cast down because they were deceived by the devil. Please understand, we're dealing with an enemy that was able to deceive the very angels of God right in the presence of God. And because of that, they're cast down. And that's the demon power we deal with today. So some of what I want to say today, I want to talk about the power of God's love. But I also want to talk about the power of that deception and being under the influence and keeping under the influence of the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit in our life and how important that is. And one of the things, too, that I, I was really blessed with in first service and still experience in second service, just the same. Uh, we, we were worshiping the Lord like this and, and just uh, hands lifted up and worshiping the Lord. And, you know, when I brought my hands down, I felt like the Holy Spirit said to my heart, and I wanted to share that with you because I think he wants to say that to all of you. When you lift up those hands that hang down, when you lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting, there's something about the fact when you lift your hands, when they go down, they won't go down empty-handed. And sometimes we're deceived about that because we didn't receive anything personally. But I'll tell you, when you lift up hands before the Lord and you really worship the Lord, I want to promise you he's going to put something in your hands that's going to bring help and hope and healing to other people that you'll come in contact with. So I encourage you, when you worship the Lord, never feel like that was some kind of empty exercise. That's a reality of God placing something in your hands because he extended his hands towards you. He extended his hands to be nailed to a cross because of his love. And if you can understand the power of that and just when you lift up your hands and you understand why you're doing that and doubt will try to come 
and especially because sometimes it doesn't do anything for me, then that doubt will try to come in. But I need to know when I come that way, I come to receive and to believe for what I can do to make a difference for other people. But in looking at this, uh, I want to reflect in Matthew chapter 16. And this is Peter. I really love people, uh, Peter because he's one of those people that always has his foot in or around his mouth. Anybody identify with that? Uh, he can't seem to get it quite right. Matter of fact, this is the only time in the four Gospels that Peter gets anything right. Everything else he says is, is wrong. But this time, he gets it right. Because Jesus asked the question, Who do men say that I am? And the disciples answered, Well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're one of the prophets, or you're Elijah because we saw you work miracles. But then he asked them the question, Who do you say I am? And Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because you got that straight from heaven. I mean, you're under the influence of the revelation by the Holy Spirit of God that revealed who I am. And that's something that everybody is going to need to know, the reality, because all of that, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And see, that's the thing that we need to understand about the church, what we are as a body of Christ. And the fact that the Lord is building us to be a body to believe and receive and then give what God has given to us. The Bible says, as he was in the world, so are we today. Now, on your notes that you have in your bulletin, I'm going to ask those in the sound room, if you'll just go ahead and put those up, because I never remember to tell you that they're up there. And I probably won't get them in order anyway, but that way you won't be worried about whether you got them all or not. And uh, that, that may help a bit. But I, I really want you to catch something of the work of the Holy Spirit in, as we look at this scripture and Peter reflects the fact that I'll uh, really understand and I'll really know what it is to be a part of the heart of Jesus Christ. He's the Lord of the church, the lover of the church. Jesus came for the church, died for the church, is coming again for the church. And again, not a denomination or an organization, but a revelation of who he is. Um, I, I've been gone for a few weeks uh, and I was... Uh, helping out with the uh, First United Methodist Church here in town. What a great church and great, great people that love the Lord. And they don't have a pastor right now, so I had the opportunity of working with a dear friend, and, uh, and I'm also helping them work through this season of time because if you keep up with things, you'll find that the First United Methodist Church overall in our nation is splitting a great deal. And there's a very liberal branch now that's going off, but there's a conservative group that want to stay strong with the word, and that's the kind of church we have in this community with the First United Methodists. And I want to stand strong as part of the body of Christ. We're in this together and help them any way we can and, and be sure and pray for them. But pray overall for what we see going on in America today because it's, there is so much happening today to divide everybody. And through technology, people get their opinions quick. And all this thing that we try to do about getting information out, people got informania. They got so much information, they don't know what to do. But my concern is not the confusion that's in the world. My concern is the confusion that's in the church. And then we need to understand what the church is. And you'll never understand what the church is until you understand who you are. Of getting that clear in your mind.
And that's the thing I pray that the Holy Spirit can bring home. But Peter, and again, I, I just love the guy. Uh, he says this, and the revelation he has, and I think he had to feel so good to have Jesus say, you know, Peter, this, this is the whole deal. I'm going to build my church on the revelation of what you just said because you got that straight from heaven. You were under the influence, as I said earlier, of the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way you could understand what you just said. And we go about a few minutes, just a few minutes. And all of a sudden, Jesus turns and looks at Peter and says, Get thee behind me, Satan, for you savor the things of men, not of God. What happened in between? How did the man who was under the influence of the Holy Spirit to have this great revelation that would be the foundation of the church of Jesus Christ until he would come again, that that man would be under the influence of the Spirit of God, but... Suddenly, he's being rebuked by the Lord, and it's just a few minutes apart. And this is the thing that I want us to understand, because what you come under the influence of becomes your belief. And see, when Jesus talked about Peter and saying what the great revelation is, I think Peter had to feel so good. And then all of a sudden, Jesus starts talking about, you know, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, I'm going to go. And Peter hears this, and he doesn't like that at all. And matter of fact, he thinks, if you're going to suffer and go through all this, we're going to go through it. And here's the deal. Peter says, it says, Peter rebuked the Lord. That's a really strong statement. I mean, you're, pretty, you're standing on shaky ground when you start rebuking the Lord. But you see, he talked about suffering. We're going to go through problems. We're going to go through difficulties. And at that point, Peter didn't want to hear that. And that's when Jesus looks at him and said, all of a sudden, you've moved from being under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God to be underneath the influence because of your fear factor and what I just said about suffering. Because of that, you are now moving in the mentality of this world, not the mentality of the Holy Spirit. You're trusting in what you think, and you would even dare to rebuke the Lord of what he had to say. And may I say this, I listen to my brothers as they tell us about all that's going on. We have 80,000 churches on the mission field. We saw nearly 2 million people come to Jesus Christ in this last year. And listen, folks, that's something to be thankful about. Amen. Could we give the Lord a clap offering for that? Hallelujah. <laughs> to realize that... We've had the privilege of partnering together in the greatest purpose on earth. And listen, you will never, ever see a greater miracle than the salvation of a soul. But to realize that and partnering together in that and working together and seeing that great missions uh, work in, in the way we do is something there's a lot of suffering that's connected with that. I love to hear about all that's happened in Cambodia and, and all those little orphans go through and how we see nearly a million souls that have come to Jesus Christ in the last 20 years through that work in Cambodia. But I want to tell you, there's been a lot of suffering. There's been a lot of setback. There's been a lot of heartache. There's been a lot of tears. There's been death. There's been all kinds of things. But greater than that, Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And to understand the greater power requires that we understand fully who Jesus Christ is, but we must begin to understand more and more who we are in Christ if we're going to stand strong as a church for the days that lay ahead. And dear church, if there's anything of a passion in my heart, it's that we can begin to understand 
and see the reality who God's calling us to be and that you are here for a time like this. God has you here at a point in time for a season of time that you can give witness to this world of the goodness and the grace of our God. You know, I think in the last three days of our Lord's life, as he looked out at the disciples and he, he said something that really, I think, surprised them in a way and, and you can read over this to where you don't catch this. But he tells them, you love one another as I have loved you. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, the saints and the ain'ts both. I mean, it's a witness to the world at every level when they see what real genuine love is. But real love is going to cost you something. Real love is not about getting. Real love is about giving. It's an understanding of God's grace upon your life. Because I can give you the whole Bible in two words. He gave. Without that, there's nothing more to be said. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. When we begin to understand that, we better understand the words of Jesus saying, you know, I come and I set an example. I am God-man living in the flesh. I'm totally human, but I am totally God. And I'm giving you the revelation of how you can live life and love and how you love one another. And this is a concern I get because sometimes our love is so easily offended. It's so easily shut off. It's love that comes with feelings. You know, I think about how quick these years go by. And uh, I can't believe how old I am sometimes. Uh, I, I say it and I, I'm an unbeliever. Uh, but Sharon and I, this April, will come up on 60 years of being together uh, in the wonderful thing of our marriage and sharing together. We started out, and I shared this with you before, in a little country cottage that Sharon calls a chicken shack. Uh, but, uh, I mean, we had running water. You just ran out and got it. And, uh, and the, the outdoor facilities, uh, when it's 20 below and uh, uh, you needed the facilities, uh, that was more stimulating than a cup of coffee. Uh, the, the reality of starting out on that. But I want to tell you, we had first love. And that filled that little country cottage. And we, we didn't worry about everything we didn't have. We were thankful for what we had. By the way, if you're not thankful for what you have that's not enough, you'll never have enough. That's the loaves and fishes story. You take what you have, give thanks for it. Let God take it, multiply it, and do something with it. But the area of an understanding there of, of how we've grown in that time, I want to tell you, after all these years, um, I still have first love, but it isn't first feelings. In first love, when you first start out in the marriage, uh, you, you have all those feelings that go with it. And I want to tell you, in your spiritual experiences, there's times that you'll just feel things so wonderful and you'll be touched by the Lord and it's just so good and you feel the grace of God. But then there's other times that you don't feel anything. And God really wants you in those times to know he's faithful. He wants you to know when you feel about as spiritual as an old shoe, he knows what to do. And he's there. Matter of fact, at the times when you least feel he's there, he's the closest. And the understanding of that is so important because I think a lot of times, because we don't understand about this area of loving, we go by feelings. And our nation and more and more is being run by feelings rather than by faith. And an understanding of all these things that are going on. People talk about what they feel. But we have to get back to the word of God. We have to understand. This is the road map of life. 
This is the GPS that'll tell us when you're on the right road and the wrong one. The understanding of that is so important. I, I just went for a little trip just out of town, just a few miles. I got lost. <laughs> I don't know how I do that. After all this time, and uh, so I, I, the only phone number I could find was Bob Schaff, and I'm calling Bob, I said, Bob, I'm trying to find this, they're having this celebration, I, I don't know, I, I'm just lost. As I'm talking to him on the phone, a car pulls up behind me, and uh, it, I, I didn't think too much about that, they must be about like me, you know, but a lady got out, and she came up, and she knocked on my window. And I rolled my window down. She said, are you lost? <laughs> I said, yes. And uh, she said, you look lost. <laughs> and that's why she stopped. And I want to tell you, so I, I said, oh, I'm okay, Bob. Now I hung up. And she not only, because sometimes people say, well, you're lost. Well, here, you just go down this road and turn on this road and go there and, and over there and then back here and there. And I'm, I'm thinking, which red barn and which mailbox? Tell me that way. I'll remember better than the roads. She said, you just get in your car and I'm going to lead and you follow. And, I, and she just said, follow me. And I followed and I got where I needed to go. Can I tell you, as you go down the road map of life, God many times with this GPS, when I get on the wrong road, and I didn't have my GPS that day, that was a problem. But you get on the wrong road and it'll say, recalculate, recalculate. I picked out the best voice possible, the kindest voice possible to talk to me on my GPS. But I recalculate and I get, and I even wave a flag when I get there, that I made it. This is the most wonderful GPS in the world. God's perfect system. God's word. And when you get on the wrong road or a dead end, it doesn't say recalculate. It says repent. You're on the wrong road. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt your family. And we need to do that in an understanding of obedience because God always knows best. And if there's something in the Bible you don't understand, it means you don't understand. That's the understanding we need to have in our heart and openness and allow there to be that time that we come to letting the Lord lead us and give us revelation and being under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. But I want you to clearly be able to see how that could happen to a man like Peter. There he is walking with Jesus. And in those few moments time, he can move from the revelation and being under the influence of the Holy Spirit to suddenly being under the influence of what would be the world's mentality. And that comes about because of demon oppression that's in the world. It's always attracted to it. Matter of fact, he's, uh, Paul says to Timothy, there's a doctrine of demons. And what it does, it brings that kind of thinking that's in the world that brings destruction. For there's a way that seemeth right, but the end thereof is destruction. And if we don't understand that, if we don't deal with that, the battle is war, uh, real. The understanding that this war is getting stronger all the time. And the Apostle Paul addresses it. He said, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations, bringing every thought into the captivity of the Spirit of Christ. I want to tell you, if you don't capture your thoughts, they'll capture you. And they'll bring harm to you. And God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, wants there to be an awakening in the church of Jesus Christ to get back to the Word and what it has to say. Because when you read that Word, you'll find out it begins to read you. 
And all of a sudden you see the revelation of not only who Jesus Christ is, but who you are. And if there's anything that I could say to you today, and I would plead with you, is get into the love of God to find out who he is in a greater way so that you really do discover what he said in his word. As you are in this world, so is he. Discovering not only who Jesus is. I think so much of the church has done that. But we still haven't found out who we are as the body of Christ. And the devil delights in that. He believes the Bible more than many believers do. And listen, we live in days. These are dangerous days. <laughs> People talk about uh, climate change and what's going to happen. And we're going to change a couple degrees here and things that way. I'm not mocking that. I, matter of fact, I want to encourage you with all of the things that we see going on in the world today with all of the statements and all of the confusion that's there, please don't spend your time criticizing people that are talking that have a blind mind, that don't know Jesus Christ. Because Peter says the God of this world has blinded their mind, lest they see the glorious gospel and be saved. If you wrestle with flesh and blood, you'll never win. The understanding of what we need to know is to be gracious to people. Though you need to do what's right, you need to be careful about that because there's people that have spirits on them that bring a great deal of evil. But we need to be gracious with people. But I want to tell you, when you get done with all that, don't you be gracious to those spirits that are on those people. That's when you get into prayer. You need to be like Jesus, to be the Lamb of God. But I want to tell you, when you get on your knees, you come against that spiritual power that's dominating those minds that are blind. You need to be like a lion, the lion of Judah. You need to come against that in a way that will break that away from their heart so they can understand how much they're loved. That that never ever changes. That first love is something God wants us to keep because he's always kept that for you and me. He loves us so much. He loves us just like we are. But he loves us too much to leave us like that. When we wake up to that reality and we understand the power of his love and this little temporal time that we have on this earth. Listen, it's just that little vapor that comes up off your cup of coffee. That's what it is in comparisons to what this life is all about. But you have the opportunity to make a difference in this world. But the demons that want to influence and bring distraction and destruction is there every day. You're going to fight it no matter what. It's there all throughout scriptures. But you have the word of God, the sword of the spirit. But what I want to really bring to you clear, so you get this clear in your mind, is a person like Peter who could be under the influence of the Holy Spirit and then a hellish spirit comes along. How about David? Oh, I love to hear about David. And he goes out there. And I mean, it's about like the church sometimes today. The army's there. They're all dressed up and no place to go because they're afraid. Because there's a Goliath standing out there nine, nine feet, four inches tall. He's out there mocking them every day. Can I tell you there's so many that are out there mocking the church of Jesus Christ today because they don't see the power of the love of Jesus Christ being demonstrated in the body of Christ and a love for the world that causes us to come to the point that we're willing to pay a price that they might know the life, the love of our Lord. But think about that, David, in that day. He's under the influence of the Spirit. He wasn't under the influence that the whole army was under. They were under the influence of fear. He stands that day and he's under the influence of the Spirit. And he said, I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he's swinging that rock. And I want to tell you what, he did his part. He swung the rock, but God guided it. And down went that lion, that uh, uh, 
Goliath, the, the giant, the, the thing that happened in that moment shows us the power of the Holy Spirit on a teenage person that can make all the difference and suddenly the whole army is released because of that. Listen, we need a few today that will realize to come in the name of the Lord of hosts against all these Goliaths that are making people so afraid. Because so much of the church are as it was in the early church when it says that Jesus came to them because they were behind closed doors because of fear. And Jesus appears in the room and he begins to teach them in a way that they could come out of the, the, that spirit of fear because the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Excuse me just a minute. That will mean 15 more minutes, but... <laughs> but I want to make clear about God's love. And if a man like David could see all this victory. And yet there's a day that he goes out on his rooftop, and it was a day he should have been in battle, but he wasn't. And it was a day I think he was probably weary. And something happened in his life that day that he looked out, he saw a woman, and he had an affair with that woman, a little baby came out of that, that baby dies, he has the husband kill. Did he plan on not? Not at all. He came under the influence of an evil spirit. And why I'm telling you this, listen, if men like that can come under the influence of what demon power will do to cause us to do something so totally out of the character of what God has made us to be, how much more can it happen for you and me? And we need to be aware of that, not with some kind of gloom and doom, not looking for demons under every place, but looking and understanding to be wise. We're not ignorant of his ways, of his devices. It's an understanding, though, that we need to get serious with the word of God and let it work in our life. Let the word read us. But most of all, let the word describe who you are. Because if you can understand who you are, you don't have to be afraid. You can understand in reality that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And that strength begins to flow in a way that you can help other people. I pray the Holy Spirit can make that real. Listen, you won't get this all figured out. To try to understand about the things of God, the more I grow, the less I know. Because I keep getting a bigger picture all the time. Listen, I've been married, like I said, almost 60 years. I haven't begun to get Sharon figured out. So I don't know how, I don't know how we're going to do this. I guess just in heaven we'll finally get it all worked out. But the reality is we need to know what's going on. I put on the notes there, if there's a Christian person and a non-Christian and you're sitting together and you both drink a large amount of alcohol, are you not going to come under the influence because you're a Christian? Or is that going to influence you? If you're driving down the road and a policeman stops you and says, you're going all over the road, weaving all over the road, I'm going to have to check you out. Are you driving under the influence? And you say, I couldn't. That's not possible. I'm a Christian. So that, that, that ends the story, right? Oh, so I didn't understand that. No, the, the consequences are there too. But see, you came under the influence. Do you know that those who sit and watch, and this is happening so much, especially for our young people, I'm so concerned about this, this thing of pornography is poison to the human soul. And if you sit and watch that, that's pouring poison into the human soul, and it's going to cause people to do things totally out of character, just as it would with alcohol. And that's there, and we don't even know it. 
Many of these phones, I, I still don't have a smartphone. Sharon says I need to get one, but I got, a, I guess, a dumb phone. But all that you can get on these phones, I'm amazed. And they're maybe good about the phone lines, but I'm concerned a lot of those are sewer lines into the souls of our young people. And I want our, our, I want our best, just as God does for the young people, to know how much they're loved what God wants to do. I want them to be like a David that goes out there as a teenage boy and say, well, what are you guys, why do you keep letting this Goliath speak like this? Why don't you go out there and take care of this? And they just think he's being belligerent in, in what he's doing. But all the time, he's wanting to understand something about the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God that can get upon us. And it doesn't matter whether you're young or old. It matters of whether you really allow the Holy Spirit to control your life, that you can begin to see what God can and will do when you get that kind of revelation in your life. And please understand this. When I say about the influence of demon powers or what can happen in that way, the same as it was for David or Peter, it's something that you have to understand. No Christian can be demon-possessed. That's not possible. No Christian can be demon-possessed. But you can be oppressed. That's what we're talking about. And that oppression comes in many forms. It comes in depression at times. It comes in an area of the fact of suicidal thoughts. That many times is an enemy trying to get you to say, here's a way out. Doesn't tell you what it's a way into. Here's a way out. And all the lies and deceptions he brings because he wants to bring destruction. Because the only way you can hurt God is to hurt what God loves the most. The only way people can hurt you the most is to hurt your children. Hurt what you love the most. And God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, so wants to awaken the church. And listen, he wants us to begin to get a compassion about people. It says that Jesus looked out at the multitude and when he saw them, he saw them as sheep that had no shepherd. And it said as he moved with compassion. Listen, compassion demands action. We can't just have compassion as a, a sweet thought and say, oh my, isn't that nice? And, uh, uh, or I'm sorry for you, or I'll just say a prayer for you, though I take nothing away from prayer. But there's times that you have to do your part. Do you remember the story in the book of Luke? where four men, I think, are on the way to church. They heard that Jesus is in the house anyway. And I know Jesus is here today. And he has things he wants to say. But these guys are going to church, and all of a sudden there's a guy there that's paralyzed. He can't get there. And so these guys get a mat. And if you can stop and picture these four guys on the way to church, and they see this guy that, this guy that can't get there, they stop, they get this mat, and they pick him up. Now, I've carried people on a mat before, and it's, it takes a bit uh, because they jostle that around and the strength. And I don't know how big the person was. I don't know anything about it. I just know they couldn't get where Jesus was. And they were so concerned about this. And again, I say compassion demands action. There's a part that we have to play. I hope you look in Scripture at times and see what people do. That there is something they do because God is a motion-activated God. And see, we do our part. That's this, we're doing this right here. And then when we do our part, God comes along and he takes his super and puts it on our natural and a supernatural happening takes place. And that's what was about to happen for this man. Because they cared enough. They had enough compassion they picked this man up. They carried him to the house. But then they got there and the place is crowded around. It's just a house. And it's crowded around. They can't get in. 
And so they couldn't find a way, so they made a way. And if you can imagine being in the house that day, and you're there, and Jesus is teaching, and all of a sudden you hear this bang, bang, bang overhead, and, and things begin to fall down as they're trying to get all the pieces there. And now they made it that you have to make a big hole to bring a guy down on a stretcher. By the way, you have to, you have to coordinate things. You have to work together. Can you imagine how easy it would have been for them to dump that guy on Jesus? Because, you know, you got to coordinate, get that down just right. Here, guys, keep it straight, get it down. But listen, they were so concerned to get that man into the presence of Jesus because he was a man in need, and they knew the man that could meet that need was Jesus Christ. And they lowered that man, and that day he was healed. And I, I tell you, there has to become a compassion in our life that cares about getting people into the presence of Jesus to really connect. And if we can't find a way, then make a way. And sometimes that doesn't always work out well. When you get involved with people, it can get messy. Have you found that to be true? Now, uh, how, how many of you like to get bargains? I mean, you shop for bargains. I do. I'm, I'm always trying to find bargains. And, uh, and uh, can you remember when you'd go in a store and you'd go to the back of the store and in the back of the store they had special racks at the back. And when you went there, you'd look at it and it, the prices on it were just unbelievable. I mean, it wasn't half price. I mean, it was about 20% of the price, you know, and you look and you think, wow, this, this is good, you know. And, uh, but it says, uh, not normal on there. And then there's another little sign that says, as is. And then there's another little sign that says, no refunds and no returns. <laughs> and you read that, but boy, it sure looks good. And what looks just like the one over there, that they want three, four, five times the money for, you know. And so, you say, well, that's good, you know. And you get it, you take it home. But all of a sudden, you find out a button that won't button a zipper that won't zip. And if you get involved with people, you have to take it as is. You're going to find out sooner or later. We keep thinking we're going to find people that are normal, but you're not going to because you're not. <laughs> we need to understand that. There's something in all of us, and it may look like a bargain. But see, one of the reasons I'm saying this is what's going on in the world today is not going to get better. I mean, I said earlier about the climate change and everything, people being concerned about that. Uh, you read in the book of 1 Peter, you'll find out the climate's going to change. Uh, you'll find there that Peter deals with the fact that it's going to be with a loud sound, a fervent heat, and all of those things in this world will pass away. It explains exactly what we will see with nuclear weapons. And see, that's the thing. And yet here we are worried about whether we're going to do a half a degree or two degrees. And I don't, I don't talk about that lightly. But here's the deal, folks. If we don't wake up, if the church doesn't wake up and come to the point, that, as the Apostle Paul said, it's high time to awake. For our salvation is nearer than we thought. And it's high time to awake to the reality If we can give our opinion and we can talk about people and say what we ever want about people. But listen, the real deal is that every person needs to come to know the love of Jesus Christ because that mind is so blind you can't see until you get into the mirror of the word and see the reflection of God's grace upon you. When you understand that, you can begin to know the power of the Holy Spirit that breaks every lie and deception the devil brings against you. Jack Hayford said it this way. He said, you can't disciple a demon. I don't care how much you reason, how much you talk. You can't disciple a demon. But you can't, you can't cast out the flesh. 
you have to deal with their soul flesh. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. But we do wrestle with this flesh. But I believe the Holy Spirit is so going to awaken the church in this hour to understand the power of deliverance. Pastor Jack said to me, he said, tell me a little about you, Jim, since you got saved and what happened. And this was so many years ago. And when I first got to know him, I said, well, uh, Pastor, I found I can control my anger. Boy, with fire in his eyes, he looked at me and he snapped me with that finger like that right on my chest. He said, if you can control it, you need to be delivered. And listen, anger costs so much in our family. I could, I could tell you all the heartache, all the brokenness of a father that passes away at 49, uh, of a nephew that spent 12 and a half years in prison, of all the things that come about because of anger and these things that cause. But I'll tell you in the moment he said that, I recognize that, and it was broken like that. There's something of what the Holy Spirit of God wants to do. And listen, here's a beautiful thing. I still get angry now. But I do, I do what the scripture says. I get angry but sin not. I get so mad I can do something good. I never knew that anger could be a constructive emotion. I'd only seen it as a destructive emotion. I want to tell you the Holy Spirit of God so wants to come and touch our lives and allow us to be free so we can start to think with a creative mind rather than a critical mind. I tell people don't be critical even if you're good at it. That's not going to help anybody. But to understand the power of God's love and what he wants to do. There was a young man, and I heard Robert Morris talk about this. A young man had come from the mission field and was attending Bible college here in America. And in America, we don't understand much about this kind of dealing with things, but we're beginning to understand it somewhat. But this young man began to talk to some of the Bible college students. They started talking about uh, demon power, demon influence, and even demon deliverance. And uh, the students said, uh, well, we, we don't do that here. And he looked with, at them with all the honesty that could be a, as a believer. And he said, what do you do? You just leave them in? <laughs> because if you don't cast them out, <laughs> they're still in there. And listen, again, it's not demon possession, but there's an oppression. How many unhappy believers do we see? We need to understand the joy of our salvation, the joy of knowing the Lord, the joy in all the gloom and doom that we see in this world, that we've got the answer. And I said this earlier, you're the key to somebody else's eternity. It's not only Jesus saying, I'll give you the keys, I'll make you the key. You can unlock prison doors. You can open up areas and let light come in where there's been darkness. You can help somebody who's had a blind mind and suddenly share the love of God. And the light of his love can penetrate the deepest darkness and set a soul free. I'm so thankful for the day that I knelt down at that old pew and left that pool of tears and been changed forever. But that reality I want to see for every person. I'm not just satisfied. I'm not saved and satisfied. I want to be able to give and I pray, as I've said before, I don't want to die old. I want to die empty. I want to pour my life out. But I believe in you, all of you. I want you to know how important you are. I want you to know who you are and what God's made you to be. Your light and love touches people I'll never touch. I'll touch some you'll never touch. But together, we can see many souls come to Christ and be there for all of eternity. But if you don't believe that, then it will never happen because whatever gets your belief system has got you. If you don't think you can, you can. Because that's what you believe. And see, we lock in and we limit, as it was in the Old Testament, it said they limited the Holy One of Israel. We can so easily do that. But I want us to be able to see, even as it was with um, Elijah, 
when he called the whole nation together. Listen, folks, it's time to gather around. And he gathers all the false prophets, 850 to 1. He's the one true prophet, 850 false prophets. He calls the nation of Israel together. And he asks this question, how long halt you between two opinions? If God be God, then serve him. If it's Baal, then you serve him. And there's a contest that goes on between him and the false prophets. And you know the story, most of you, that the false prophets cried out for six hours straight, crying out to their God, because the God that answered by fire, that was going to be the true God. They're crying out and wanting the fire to fall. They had put a, a, a bullock there. They had all, everything there, the wood in place, everything for the fire to fall, but nothing happened. They got so upset after six hours, they were jumping up and down on the altar. They were cutting themselves with stones, trying to get some response. And then Elijah steps up, and he prays 25 words. And the fire of God falls and consumes the sacrifice. They'd even doused it with water. He, he really wanted to see the power of God. And the people fall down and says, the Lord is God. The Lord is God. And listen, I love to preach that part, chapter 18 of 1 Kings. I just love it because we see God arise and the enemy be scattered. And we see the hearts of people turn back to the Lord. And that's what I so desire to see. But listen, we must understand chapter 19 as well. And that's when a Jezebel raises up her voice because of what God had done. There's going to be a battle every time. That's why many times you may think you've done something wrong because you're under attack. Can I tell you this? You're under attack because you did something right. There's no one that did everything right except Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And he was under attack all the time. The understanding that that attack is real. And when that Jezebel voice rises up, it isn't just a woman with a voice, it's a spirit. And that struck his heart. That man who had stood there and saw those 850 prophets destroyed, saw the nation come back to the Lord. Suddenly that influence got on him. And suddenly he was fearful and running for his life and goes and hides in a cave and wishes he could die. But listen, that's the thing, that's the battle that's there, folks. It's a real battle. I wish I could just tell you chapter 18. I wish I could just tell you, that's it, God wins. But I want to tell you, if you'll stay faithful to God in the end, God wins, and so will you if you follow him. But you're going to go through some hard places. And I, I, I'm saying this in preparation of an understanding. If the American church doesn't awaken to who God's made us to be in this hour, then we're going to be offended at everything. We're never going to get it together. You see, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Hell will assail, but it will not prevail. Why are we having such a hard time with that? Let me give you this real quick. And I want you to think with me, because I'm not talking about just church, church attendance, whatever. I'm talking about souls for eternity. These light afflictions work for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. That's where I get concerned that many times I fear that we've lost the concept of what it is about eternity. And we're looking at about all these things and we're praying about all these things. But we're not praying for people. We're not reaching out to people. And many times we're being critical of people. And we have our opinion. 
but we've lost our obedience. But please understand, in this day and hour, God is looking for people that would understand and see that we're going to go through some of these difficulties and we need to get back on track quickly for what God wants to do. And here's a scripture I want you to mark down. You have to keep yourself in the love of God. Jude chapter 21, or excuse me, Jude verse 21, and this is right before the book of Revelation, or just one chapter, but you're responsible to keep yourself in the love of God. You have that responsibility. I have that responsibility. And it's that love, the power of that love, that overcomes the world. But Elijah, in, in all the things that he went through, if people like that, an Elijah, a David, or even the early church, if they could come under that kind of influence, so can you and I. And we need to know what the Word of God has to say. And we need to pray. And matter of fact, to get back on track, here's the three things you need to do. And I think this is in your bulletin. You need to really understand to be a person of prayer. You have to come and talk to God and know the power of the one that listens. You may not feel very spiritual when you pray, but I promise you, he hears, he undertakes. You have to get to the point that you practice his presence in your life. That's what prayer is about. You know, I see Moses leading the people in the Old Testament, and all they did was grumble. God's got a lot of little grumblers in the Bible. And they were always grumbling. I don't like this. I don't like, well, I wish we were back in Egypt now because we don't have the same stuff to eat and we've got problems and all this stuff going on. Grumble, 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 grumble. It wasn't the giants that kept them out of the promised land. They were hung by their own tongue. And you see, so many times we are like they, when they sent out the spies to spy out the land, it wasn't the giants that kept them out. It was the things that they believed in their heart that they couldn't partake of the promise that God's word was not true. But that's where we have to understand as it was in that day when it's a point where Moses is trying to lead them. The people are so difficult. And God finally says this. He said, listen, and you'll find this in Exodus chapter 33. God says, I'm going to give you everything I promised. It's all going to come true. I'm going to drive out the enemy before you you're going to go in, you're going to get everything. You're going to get the land of milk and honey. You're to, but one thing you're not going to get. You're not going to get my presence. And Moses said the wisest words in the world, and we need to get back to us at the church. If your presence doesn't go, we're not moving. We're not going anywhere. I don't care how great the promises are. If your presence doesn't go, we'll forfeit the promises. But we will not forfeit your presence and see, that's the understanding that's lacking so many times because the promises of God are yea and amen to those that believe. It's wonderful to get the promises of God and possess those promises. But listen, there's something more precious than the promises. And it's the person that promises. And that's Jesus our Lord. And so many times we're looking for the blessings rather than the blesser. And so many times that we've forgotten how much he loves us and what this is all about. And even if he blesses you, he blesses you to be a blessing. And that's the way you can make a difference for other people's eternity. So I want to encourage you to get back into the Word. I want to encourage you to be all that you can be by the grace of God for what He wants. And listen, when you come to first love, He will at times uh, come and correct things. But before He corrects you, He'll commend you. You know, in, in the Revelation chapter 2, He lists about seven or eight things. And then He said, but I have somewhat against you. You've left your first love. And he, what he wants to say is, I never left it. And it doesn't say they lost it. It says they left it. And I want to say to the church, it's time to come back. 
It's time to come back to where we love first. We love first, no matter what. We love first. That would heal every broken marriage. That would heal so many broken hearts, even how they feel about themselves. It would heal churches so we would begin to be the kind of church that Jesus talked about. I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But see, here's the problem about that building process. And I don't think I said this to you. If I did, I said it in first service and you might get it twice here. But in, in, in church, and again, this is not just about numbers. But when you talk about people getting saved, church growth in America is about 6 to 7%. The other 90% is transfer growth. We recirculate the saints. And listen, I, I say that with no criticism. I say it with concern. Because sometimes I think, think we think things are happening that are not. And it, it, we need to get back to where we get to the point of loving people that are lost like Jesus. Love them and to realize if they don't come to Jesus Christ, they will be lost for all of eternity. They are going to be lost and go to an eternal hell where there is no second chances. And that Jesus Christ died so we would not go. And Jesus talks about hell 33 times in his three years of ministry because he didn't want anybody to go there. There's 167 references to hell in the Bible because God doesn't want anybody to go there. It was made for Satan and his followers. But if we don't reach people with the love of Jesus Christ, they will be lost for all of eternity. Over a billion people were lost in this last year that have never heard about Jesus Christ. And we need to do something about that church. But it's an understanding, not just about who Jesus is, but about who you are. If we can't get that clear, we'll never make a difference in this world. We'll be, sad, we'll be saved and satisfied to get to heaven ourselves. But listen, Jesus wants us to be able to see others come. I really believe when we get there, Jesus is going to look at us and he's going to rejoice and he's going to welcome us and we're going to just fall at his feet. But I wonder if he might say, who'd you bring with you? Will there be others here because of what I gave to you? the gift of life and salvation. Dear church, I hope so. I hope we can be awakened to the reality because he commends us, he corrects us with no rejection, and he'll change us. And he gives us a crown. It says in Revelation chapter 2, see that no man takes your crown. It's what lets you rule and reign with him. Would you bow your heads with me? Holy Spirit, I don't know that I got it said, but I hope you did. I hope we hear your heart. I hope, Lord, that you help us not only know who you are, but who we are in you, Lord. God, I pray that you'll awaken our hearts to the reality of relationship, Lord, that you want us to have in these days that seem so dark and difficult. And by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God, that you'll awaken our hearts to make a difference. God, I'm asking you to grip our hearts even when we lay on our pillow tonight. And Lord, that those thoughts start coming in our mind of people that we may have been critical of. Lord, criticism we may have had toward politicians and all the problems in the world and somehow we're making them, that's filling our mind more than it is about, Lord, what we can do as Christian people to make a difference. So, Lord, forgive us. 
And God, I pray that judgment will begin at the house of the Lord. And God, where there's areas where we need to be delivered, let that happen right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. May that come upon us, Lord God, to break down those imaginations, cast them down, and Lord, to come into obedience of your word. So Lord, I bless you for your grace. Lord, I pray for those that may be watching online. I pray, Holy Spirit, for awakening in their lives. I pray, God, your grace to grip their hearts. And Lord, that they would know how much you love them and how much you want to reveal and heal the hurts of their heart. And Lord, how you want to use their lives as a light in this dark world. I bless you for that. I believe for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, dear church, I sure love you. And um, I pray God's grace to be upon you. And I really hope you know how God loves you and wants you to know who he's made you to be. Would you stand with me? Father, I thank you for loving us. I thank you, Lord, that your love will lead us. Lord, we might even be able to led, be led to a person today that we can make a difference. I'm asking you, Lord, that our minds become fil Father filtered with people that you want us to be able to reach. And God, I pray that we come to the point we don't make excuses anymore. If there doesn't seem to be a way, we'll make a way by the power of your Spirit. And Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for the love and the grace of this church family. And I pray your blessing upon them, on their hearts and their home. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, church family. God bless you.